There we go. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to Frightening Frowin. Welcome back to Recording in Progress. <laughs> I wish you all could hear what we hear before it starts recording. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to screen record just that part sometime so that they can hear it. Yeah, there's probably like a clip online we could find that's like the, the zoom sound. Or we'll just make it our beginning thing in the yeah. <laughs> recording at progress. Just add it to every every single one. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. It's us, and I'm actually gonna read a script this time. And look, look. Oh, uh, yeah, I always have to do it the wrong way first. <laughs> My mug. Our yeah, mug. I'm, it's official. I'm I'm official now because I got the swag. <laughs> we need to do one that has, we need to make like a frightening frown logo and then put it on one side and then two crows on the other side. Although I, idea. we have uh, Jeremy, Undead Papa working on, a, on ours for frightening frown right now. The pickles? Not the pickle. <laughs> That's for me. <laughs> I want it on a t-shirt. That's if just you... the last one I remember hearing about. I I actually listened. I I listened to that episode while I was working on the insulation stuff. So it was being blasted into the countryside. Yes, the two dills attempted kosher. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah, I really want that as a shirt. But no, I have him working. And he's eventually going to work on us as zombies. Nice. So it'll be frightening. Uh, I like brains. Brains. I, I got a brain mold, and I want to make. <laughs> I want to make a brain jello. <laughs> that would be fun, and then and then step on it and charge a lot of money to watch it. I was about to say I could make money. <laughs> <laughs> I have jello waiting. For Four Jello projects that I am I'm planning to step in. Yeah, I have like okay feet. They're pretty long toes, like monkey toes. I I don't know if I I I've been told that pe- people like all kinds of feet, so I don't know. I I'm embarrassed about the toenail side surgery on because they look the toenails look like weird. It, it looks but... so cool, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I. Well, okay, so there's the toenail that's left, not not the extra that's going to have to be removed, but the toenail that's left is just kind of weird after the surgery. But then the surgery failed in one part, so it looks like I'm growing a tooth. It like, is the I coolest. Literally... <laughs> it's, it's so weird. And I, I, you know, I keep, I, I like text people. I'm like, hey, do you want to see like where the surgery on my toe failed? Because I'm, I'm literally not going to send anybody a foot picture without their consent if lee ever asks if you want to see it say yes yeah (laughs) i should like paint the tip of it a little red so it looks like i've been like biting stuff (laughs) (laughs) do not choke on your mac and cheese with tomatoes (laughs) mac and cheese this is all bad for me it's box mac and cheese which i usually make homemade mac and cheese but i was craving craft mac and cheese today (laughs) Dude, there is something about that craft that's got the crack and it's like you just need that hit sometimes, you know, I don't know what it is. And it like mix it with like some Hormel chili. I I mixed it with the Rotel. Green chilies and the and the tomatoes. Make that noise again. Do that again. 
<laughs> That's what it sounds like to eat, guys. Yeah. When I take a bite, I try to like lean way far back because it bugs me <laughs> to hear myself eat. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like whenever I get a snack, I like mute so that people can't hear me. But then I'm still irritated because I have the headset on, so it makes it even louder in my it head. Does. So I'm already, I'm already annoyed by myself. Mm -hmm. I also reuse my containers. So this is not water, Jordan. This is Gatorade. <laughs> I. I I have switched to bottled water and I haven't drank in bottled water in probably 15 years. I've just always I've always been aware of the water wars and I feel like so guilty about it. But like literally, I don't feel comfortable drinking the water that's coming through the RV. Mm -mm. I would want to get it tested to make sure it's safe and I don't have money for that. So until I can do that, I, you know, um, Plus, I also have a little bit of a trauma thing because this is the property that I lived on when I got sick from the bad well water. And even though all of those issues have all been fixed, I still have like, I mean, literally like there are cows across the street and that, you know, the water comes from it just. Yeah. So but I I like buy bottled water that comes in recycled plastics and stuff like that. I, you know, I tried to be aware of the where the water space source it's not nestle yeah and stuff like yeah. that there's only so much that's on consumers because the people that created this issue are the companies <laughs> and yeah. literally bottled water companies sell bottles they're not selling water they yeah. didn't make it <laughs> yeah well yeah it's it takes I, yeah i get mine from so Coleman. much water takes and so much water to make a bottle it's like 14 times the amount of water that's in the bottle to make the plastic it's same with beer yeah <laughs> it's crazy and there's a there's a book called i think it's maybe blue planet or something like that and it's about the water wars and the start of them and how bottled water became so normalized um and, you know, like the manipulations that went into creating the system and stuff. And uh, it's a really good read. I, I will verify the name of the book because um, I'm not sure if that was the name of it or not. I, I asked my friend because she used to work for the California Conservation, whatever. And um, she was the one that was like, you should read this because I was always talking about it. I was always like, don't drink bottled water unless you don't have access to safe water. Like, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I get so I get the coal again. And then when I'm in the bus, because I'm traveling, not stationary like you are, but traveling, I go and refill it at those stations with that are like 25 cents or a dollar or whatever to refill the five gallon thing. Yeah. And then when I come home, I get new coal again <laughs> containers. But I we go through a lot at the house of water because the water here is so hard. And tastes so bad. I will not give it to the pets. Like I fill it, fill it from the Coligan thing for the pets. And like if you make ice with the sink water, you have like you can see the sediment floating on top of your cups. That's, you need a you need a filtration system to. I have one, so out. it's so bad. I have a water softener and I have reverse osmosis, and it's still bad. <laughs> And I don't wow. know, I Might don't know, pipes. I, that's what I'm thinking. So they replaced the pipes 
in the house, but I don't think they replaced them from the street to the house. So I think yeah. those ones are really old because the house was built in 1910 and where the water's coming in is the same place it was coming in before they moved the house. So I think they just cut that down, but they didn't actually replace it. Yeah. And that's like, if they're, if you have hard water, the over time, the, the, the sediment, the iron, the calcium, whatever, it builds up on the inside of the pipes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, makes the pipe like smaller diameter on the inside, but it allows, um, space for like bacteria to grow and then you get like the sediment issues and stuff like that and it's yeah you know a lot of people think like just the source of the water but it's like it's also like your pipes and stuff (laughs) yeah and then you can pay for your water you have to pay like a 250 dollar hookup fee and then you have to pay extra for water that's less hard but it's only 10 or 20 percent less hard yeah so it's not even that much. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's, that's it silly. Tastes, it tastes like salt. Like just straight salt. It's so gross. So even the soft water is not good. <laughs> yeah. Ay, ay, ay. What the heck? The little fruit fly over here trying to get my macaroni and cheese. It's like, oh, yeah. They always come in when winter starts. Every single year. You get them in the beginning of summer and you get them at the very end of like fall. Yeah, the flies are like still really active because we keep having these warm days. And so every time I get in my car, a whole bunch of flies like swarm into my car and then I'm like driving with the windows down. Get it. Like, get out. You're not even paying gas. God. (laughs) (laughs) And then they always fly away from wherever the window that you open. Yeah. There's like jump, and I'm like, no, get out. <laughs> and you live by all the cows, so you have a lot of flies over there. A lot of flies. Yeah. They just Amos, Amos uh, likes them. They just fertilized everything here. Uh, yeah, we, we call it the the uh, Petaluma Roma because it's it's super. They do it all the time. It's the smell is year round here. And it's uh, and it's awful because I like whatever it is I'm allergic to. So like I go outside and I'm like sinuses and headache and sore throat. What do and, they mix uh, in with it? Cause you, they shouldn't even have to mix anything with it. It should yeah, just be like know. dirt and cow poop and water, right? You like why aren't they just use rabbit poop and and cow poop and like compost? They don't need to like use all these weird synthetic fertilizers and shit. It's weird. And certain grains now, because of the way that they change them, now need certain different chemical fertilizers that just make your food even more synthetic. Yeah. Stupid. As I eat my macaroni and cheese. I hate synthetic food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh. Get that mac and cheese in there. Rum, rum, rum. At least I can kind of swallow it without even chewing it. <laughs> I, I, it's, it is one of those foods that if you're too excited, you can like get through it way quicker than you meant to. And then you're like, oh, I didn't even taste it. Yeah. My other one is, that I randomly will really want is uh, I want a, a grilled cheese sandwich with a with SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I've never and had it. 
like it's like, like uh, in it or just to the side? So like I dip my um, grilled cheese sandwich in my spaghettios. Oh, I could totally see that because grilled cheese with tomato tomato soup is really mm -hmm. good. So the spaghettios are also one of those weird grow up pork crack foods. Yeah, there's something in it. <laughs> yeah, MSG. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I'm going to be real with everybody. I put off doing this one because I really like this person and I'm doing a book club about this person. <laughs> and I kept telling Lee, I was like, I feel like people are going to think this is boring because it's just so much information and her life wasn't like super exciting. But she was incredible at the same time. She also did not like my favorite place in the world, which makes me a little sad. And I'll talk about it, why it's my favorite when she moves there. <laughs> but when I was reading that, I got kind of sad because I was like, that's my favorite place I've ever been in the whole world. And she didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but today we're going to talk about Jane Austen. Someone you actually probably know about, Lee. <laughs> The name's familiar. I don't know any details about her life, I, I don't think. You know, like Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Regency. I was going to order a Regency dress to do this one, and then I realized I'm poor, so. <laughs> Regency dress is like a style, a style dress? Yeah, they're pretty uh, plain, but I'll pull one up for you. <laughs> Oh, I don't want a pattern for one. It's just like the cut of it. Where's a good action? No, I don't want shopping. I want a real picture. It's like a dress you would go to tea in. Oh, that one's too light, I think, for you to see. Hold oh, on. I see. It's like where it cuts off right under the boobs and then drapes down. Yeah. Yeah. But they wear those back then as their normal attire for the day with their little parasols and it's so many, I have so much hip that that kind of cut it doesn't it it only drapes in the middle as soon as it hits my hips it's like tight <laughs> I am the same shape <laughs> I realize like my waist is a lot smaller than my hips <laughs> yeah sorry I'm not wearing a bra guys I can deal with my sick self I think I only told Lee that I'm like really sick right now. <laughs> Cooties. I've suffered through work the last two days doing way too much reading on the computer screens. And I, I sent a picture to Lee. Of, we're reading fine print and trying to find the little things in the fine print to add to the contracts in the computer. But the fine print is scanned in. So it's really fuzzy. <laughs> like it's already hard to read so even when you try to blow it up it's like gets more and more fuzzy and like can't read they didn't, it they didn't scan it high enough they should have scanned it and then ran OCR over it so that you would just have the text regular rather than trying to read a scanned one you would think Gosh. so but it's the company sending it back to us they have the option to do it online and like DocuSign and then we have regular print like we can read it like it was typed up on the computer or they sign it and then scan it in and that's what most of them do and I don't understand why 
they're old. Probably. <laughs> they're getting Xerox and stuff equipment. So. They probably still use fax. I mean, and fax machine. Yes, they get those yeah. machines to use fax. That's. But yeah, they're uh, hard to read. And I think they might be giving us the really hard to read ones so that it gets easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still training. By the time you guys probably see this one, though, I'll be out of training. So <laughs> I'll know what I'm doing. I don't even know what I'm doing yet. Uh, tomorrow I get my hands on a real contract and get to actually Ooh. put stuff in. And that's how I learn. <laughs> so, today they just read us manuals. And I'm like. <sighs> Wait, so you had to listen? Oh, my gosh. I can't do that. I need to read it. I can't. Listening. I cannot learn through it listening. Was, my... It was on the screen while they read it. But, like. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would, I would love just my brain would be so tired. I just feel like, oh, I was very honest with them that my brain was tired because they asked us questions at the end. And I was like, I think it's this, but we've gotten so much information today. I don't know. I was right like about 70% of the time. The other days I was right 100% of the time. So I was like, I don't feel good. I have a fever. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh oh no I do not want to give you a survey oh we also picked out glasses today and they want a survey of how my appointment went for getting glasses and I said well I'm more blind now so uh, zero <laughs> stars <laughs> all right so Jane Austen oh the bags under my eyes are real good today I could just go like this. You're just carrying. You're carrying like um, snot in there. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's gonna drain <laughs> like tomorrow. I could feel it all up here. It's not coming out yet. That first sneeze, though. It's all over after that. Yeah. So let's hope it yeah. doesn't happen while I'm on here. <laughs> That'd be epic. Then we could like we get that first sneeze and we'll take it and we'll like play it backwards and then slow it down and you know. We should get really... stuff like that. <laughs> just had... dramatize it. <laughs> Those are the videos we need to save for later for a blooper reel. Yeah, put them on TikTok. <laughs> That'll get people here. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Jane Austen was born on the 16th of December, 1775. She's a Sagittarius. <laughs> hey, she was born like almost exactly... 200 years before me because I was born in 1975 oh, and wow. December 8th. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A month from when we're recording. So if you yeah. all want to send gifts, you're late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it'll be the week after your birthday that this one will air. Will it? I think so. Am I missing? Am I missing? Maybe not. Maybe I'm a liar. Okay, because I have... I have three. I have the one that posted today, and then I have two more scheduled on my Patreon. Let me see. Are there more than that? Let me check. Sorry, guys. You get to listen to our... Uh... All right. You might be right. Let's see. We have... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Never mind. This is going to... Well, so will be this right one around... So the next one posts on the 15th and the 22nd. 
Yep. So never mind. You guys did not miss Lee's birthday. So you need to send a present now. <laughs> I have I have I have copious wish lists because I organize everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the wish lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Lee likes ugly cute things. <laughs> as long as they're not alive. Okay, not alive. <laughs> Correct. Do not send Lee pets. Yeah. <laughs> and Lee also has a P.O. box. So if you want to send something not on a wish list, just it's is it on your website? Yeah, it's yeah, it's on my website. It's kind of everywhere. So let's all sing now. Happy birthday to Lee. Happy birthday to Lee. I'm so out of tune today. Happy birthday, dear Lee. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> I, I so I'm all now I'm all red I I uh I'm like the person when people start singing you're in a restaurant I'll get up and leave so and I just realized I can't do that because I'm at home so where am I gonna go so I'm just sitting here I was like <laughs> all right so back to Jane and off of Lee <laughs> that's right um she was born in the village of Steventon in Hampshire Hampshire. I, I like all the shires. Shire. She was one of eight children of a clergyman. I didn't know they could have kids. <laughs> as long as they're not Catholic priests, I think they can. They okay. Pastors, clergymen, stuff like that. Her father wrote of her arrival in a letter that her mother, and I quote, certainly expected to have been brought to bed a month ago. He added that the newborn infant was, quote unquote, a present plaything of Cassie and a future companion and grew up in a close knit family. That was a weird birth announcement, sir. (laughs) This is a plaything for her older sister. (laughs) That's just a weird birth. Very dehumanized. Right? It's just a plaything. And really, back then, <laughs> women were dehumanized. And that is what really fueled Jane later. <laughs> Her father, George Austin, he was alive from 1731 to 1805, served as the rector of the Anglican parishes of Steventon and Deanne. Relating to or denoting the Church of England or any church in communion with it, it is not Catholicism, but they see themselves equal to it and see the reigning monarchy as the head of the church. So when I was looking into it, it was almost identical to Catholicism, (laughs) which I grew up with on one side of my parent parental units and uh, did not enjoy going to church there it was latin (laughs) that would be the only cool part is the latin it was except for we were expected to still know all the things that we're supposed to say when they say something so you know when they say and peace be with you and you're supposed to say and also with you but you're supposed to know when to say that you still say it in english but they said things in latin like they say peace be with you in latin and then you say and also with you and you're supposed to like listen for it. <laughs> <laughs> i just started moving my mouth saying watermelon whenever other people started talking. 
And I would have been so bad at church as a kid. Oh, been so bad. I was so anxious all the time. Like I didn't want to do things wrong. I didn't want to like do it the wrong way. <laughs> that just makes me think of the first time I went to the symphony because like symphony has this culture of like silence and you only make noise at very specific times during the time when you're in, in the symphony. There's like between between the movements, there will be like this like 10 to 15 second like silence and that's when everybody shifts and kind of clears the throat and coughs and then like everybody goes back and so the first time I went I didn't know the rules I just knew that there were rules it's mm -hmm. the whole time being like and like absorbing like the behavior and the culture around the symphony and, and that like the church kind of makes me think of that which you're good at doing but it's still uncomfortable yeah the first but time is First time is ne never easy. After that, it's easy. Yeah. Easier. When when do you fart at a symphony? Yeah. Uh, in in in, be in between the movements. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody can hear you. <laughs> I have read articles about there being drama because of like noises people have made during during symphony that were considered inappropriate. Because because audiophiles want to get all those sounds and not you. Yeah. Huh. I'm scared <laughs> to go to a symphony now. Yeah. Oh, amazing though. Like if somebody farted like during and it was like <laughs> it bounced off the acoustics just right so that it became part of the music. That would be so cool. So what's the difference between like a, a symphony and an orchestra? Uh I think orchestra is just strings. Okay. Symphony, symphony has I could be wrong, but I think I'd have to look it up. But my general association with that stuff is and the rules, orchestra the rules. string, <laughs> and then yeah, and then and then orchestra is also like like I think they they're not necessarily central to the performance. Like you can have them performing to like a to a movie or whatever, and the symphony is the performance. I could I could be wrong on that, and that could just be my association. But okay. I was just thinking about, I was like, well, I've been to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and I've been to like plays that have an orchestra, but I've never yeah. been to a symphony. Well, when I went to the symphony, it was an orchestra that was per performing too. It was okay. the San, Fr San Francisco, blah, blah. So symphony, it probably is just a spotlight on that performance that's going on. Instead of it yeah. being, because like even the Trans Siberian Orchestra, it you would think that would be a symphony. <laughs> it depends on what they're what they're perf maybe what they're. But they sing now at the Trans Siberian Orchestra. They didn't always. I don't think. There we go. It's the first. Uh, a symphony is an orchestra's large scale musical composition, usually requiring fifty to eighty instruments. Symphonies refer to the music, not the musicians performing it. And similar to stage plays, they may have several movements or acts of often complex, elaborate classical music. Okay. I want to go to one. So symphony is the composition. Orchestra is the... the well, I'm going to go with musicians. you. And you can be like, okay, it's time. You can do it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we go and you get all dressed up and everybody's like very fancy. The San Francisco Orchestra is like... And they even have fun, like nerdy stuff where they play 
the soundtracks to like sci-fi movies and stuff. I've heard of that. I've there was a Star Trek one, and then there was a Star Wars one. Yeah. Of course, they did a Harry Potter one too. When we had tickets to go to, I think it was the Transformers one, like the original Transformers movie one. That is and cool. Then, and then uh, COVID hit, so we got our they refunded because it got canceled. But it was supposed to be like my birthday, it was son, my son's birthday present. My band got to go to Disneyland and we played the music for the movies. So like they played or it was like certain songs in the movies, but we played the music for them while the movies played around us. It was really cool. And then we got cool. to be in the band in the parade. Nice. That was when I was still first chair before they ruined my musical talent. <laughs> Tried to make you read the music. Yes, it's messed up. <laughs> All right, where was I at? Not Catholicism. Um. Oh gosh, the Reverend Austin came from an old and wealthy family of wool merchants. They did use a lot of wool back then. As each generation of eldest sons received inheritances, only the oldest ones. <laughs> The wealth was divided, and George's branch of the family fell into poverty. He and his two sisters were orphaned as children and had to be taken in by relatives. In 1745, at the age of 15, George Austin's sister, Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just cream cheese. <laughs> was apprenticed to a milliner milliner in a covent garden i had to look that up <laughs> i was gonna ask what is that a person who makes and sells women's hats uh, oh. my my aunt does this uh she makes really really pretty hats she actually travels around with the renaissance festival selling them they're really really nice they're all handmade uh i will post a photo of my favorite one that she i Remember saying this now. I will find a photo of one of her hats and post it for you. <laughs> I always look at hats when I go to those events. I'm always like, ooh, but they're always too they're oh, too they're much so for me. Oh much. Some of her hats are like a thousand dollars. Yeah. And it, I'm not saying they're not worth it. I'm no, just saying no. that I'm not worth that much money. <laughs> like, and she puts a lot into that. Like they're really nice. She's been doing it for a long time. She has them for all different price ranges, yeah. but some of her really fancy ones with like feathers and buttons and you'd like her hats they're very eccentric so is she i love you <laughs> <laughs> i'll post your link <laughs> i don't know if she has one but <laughs> um at the age of 16 george entered saint john's college in oxford where he most likely met cassandra lee spelled uh, like me it or... is spelled like you <laughs> oh yeah uh, she lived from 1739 or, that, oh no, were they married 1739 to 1827? No, that's a long time. I don't know. I put some dates in there. You guys can figure out what those are for. Uh, that, I think that's her lifespan. She came from the prominent Lee family. <laughs> I said, ha ha, Lee, you're prominent. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this, I wrote the script like three months ago. <laughs> prominent oh goodness oh goodness okay 
it's the it's the orchestra break. Uh, her father, <laughs> her father was rector at All Souls College, Ox in Oxford, where she grew up among the gentry, people of good social position, specifically in the UK, the class of the people next below the no- nobility in position and birth. So the class right below the princess and princes. Uh, Her eldest brother, James, I had a hiccup, (laughs) inherited (laughs) a fortune and large estate from his great aunt, Parrot. Parrot. (laughs) With the only condition that he change his name to Lee Parrot instead of just Lee to carry on the wealth in the name. Was a hyphen? Yes. <laughs> wow. Wonder if Jane's religious and um, upbringing, dripping with misogyny, helped her write stories about independent women in that time. <laughs> she began to write as a teenager. She would write stories, character references, and letters, many of which are still in existence today, but some of them are not. Uh, in 1783, Austin and her sister Cassandra. I mean, Cassandra, her, her, what person who plays with her, (laughs) um, were sent to Oxford to be educated by Mrs. Anne Cawley, who took them to Southampton later that year. That autumn, both girls were sent home after catching typhus, an infectious disease caused by rickets. Characterized by a purple rash, headaches, fever, and usually delirium and hysterical, uh, and hysterical, hist, oh my god, historically, not hysterically, historically. Is rickets caused by low vitamin C or what's that rickets or is that, uh, the pirate disease? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) What is that one? Ah, scurvy. Scurvy that yeah that's different. I don't know what Ricketts is. It says I'm looking it, it up. It says it's infectious though. Um, oh, it's a disease of children caused by vitamin D deficiency. Oh, that's I, what Ricketts I, is. I wrote down here too. Uh, historically, a cause of high mortality during wars and famines. They are uh, there are several forms transmitted by vectors such as lice, ticks, mites, and rat fleas. Hey, like the bubonic hmm. plague. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Jane Austen nearly died. Um, she was from then home educated until the uh, she attended a boarding school with her sister from early in 1785 at Reading Abbey Girls School. Sounds so fancy. They have tea at all these places, don't they? Yeah, girls school. It was ruled by Mrs. La Tournelle. The curriculum probably included French spelling, needlework, dancing, music, and drama. That's what girls need to know. Right. Get yourself a nice French man. <laughs> Stop shaving. Oh, goodness. Um, the sisters returned home before December 1786 because the school fees were for Uh, The school fees for the two girls were too high for the Austin family. 
Ah, they couldn't dance anymore. (laughs) After 1786, Austin never again lived anywhere beyond the bounds of her immediate family environment. So she never went back to live at a boarding school again. (laughs) I think is what that means. Uh, Or with other family. She stayed with her family after that. Um, Her education came from reading um, guided by her father and brothers, James and Henry. And James and Henry really pushed her to, so they still were getting a formal education and they were coming home and teaching Jane because she wanted to know everything they were learning, which I feel is super cool that her brothers weren't all misogynistic and like, no, you're a stupid girl. You don't need to know these things. Yeah. Um, Irene Collins. Uh Oh, a British historian um, and writer known for her studies of Napoleon and Jane Austen said that Austen used, um, quote unquote, used some of the same school books as the boys. So what I just said, I remembered that in my brain. (laughs) I like, I just, the Irene Collins is my ex-mother-in-law's name. So that's why I was, no, she's an entomologist, but. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. She liked the bugs. I like the bugs. Um, Yes, uh, I said yes. The boys and girls read different books. They had different curriculums. Austin apparently had unfettered access both to her father's library and that of a family friend, Warren Hastings, which is a cool name. Together, these collections amounted to a large and varied library. Her father was also tolerant of Austin's sometimes risque experiments in writing, because girls were not supposed to be authors, by the way, back then, (laughs) and provided both sisters with expensive, oh, yeah, expensive paper and other materials for writing and drawing, because he wanted, he really liked to channel education um, and the arts with the children, which I try to do too, so... Good on you, Jane Austen's dad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Private theater was an essential part of Austen's education. From her early childhood, the family and friends staged a series of plays in the rectory barn. This is a dream for me. I would love this so much. That's still true. Even if. Yeah. Still true months later. I'd like that. Yep. Austin's eldest brother, James, wrote the prologues and the epilogues, and she probably joined in these activities with writing those. Uh, first as a spectator and later as a participant, uh, she began writing in the plays. Most of the plays were comedies, which suggested how Austin's um, satirical uh, gifts were cultivated. At the age of 12, she tried her hand at dramatic writing. She wrote three short plays during her teenage years, which I believe they're all still in existence today. Um, So she really liked to make fun of the culture, so the misogyny, and wanted to push against it in a lot of her writings, whether it's her journals, her plays, or her books that she wrote. Um. I wonder if people could tell when her books got published that it was a woman writing it, even though she tried to hide that. <laughs> um, 
From at least the time she was aged 11, Austin wrote poems and stories just for herself and her family. She would read them aloud and entertain guests with her writings. She exaggerated mundane details of her daily life and parodied common plot devices in stories full of anarchic fantasies of females in power. Uh, She would license illicit behavior and general high spirits, um, according to Janet Todd, containing work um, written between 1787 and 1793, Austin compiled fair copies of 29 early works into three bound notebooks, her um, now referred to as the Juvenilia. She called the three notebooks volume the first volume the second and volume the third very original very original very creative (laughs) (laughs) and they preserve ninety thousand words she wrote during those years the juvenilia are often um according to scholar richard jenkins boisterous and anarchic I think that's what she was going for. Uh, he compares them to the work of 18th century novelist Lawrence Stern, a very well-known author, um, dove into his interesting life while researching this. And I might do another thing on him another day, but he's a dude. So <laughs> uh, she began writing multiple stories, making satire of the sensibility that works um, by women were supposed to embody. Not long after writing Love and Friendship, a work her family and friends praised, Austin decided to write for profit to make stories her central effort. That is to become a professional writer. When she was around 18 years old, Austin began to write longer, more sophisticated works. When Jane first became an aunt at 18 years old she began writing a work in progress she continued to add to through her life she dedicated it to anna her niece and um is uh, has been called her scraps as well as a continuation of juvenilia i don't know why they called it her scraps <laughs> maybe it's because it was like sm- short stories together yeah maybe it's not supposed to sound bad <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to break the stereotypical norm of womanhood and expectations in women. Um, so she wrote this for her niece because she didn't want her niece to grow up thinking that she needed to just fall into the categories that society had for her because it was very even theatrical in day-to-day life with going to court because their family was prominent and her mom's side of the family was prominent and they were like nobility. So they would go to court and things like that back in that day. Uh, and it was very much like you have to act this way you have to do these things you have to behave like a symphony <laughs> orchestra <laughs> symphistra <laughs> um she did not want her niece growing up to believe she was only created to be sold off to the highest bidder and be a wife and a mother there is evidence anna continued working on the works along with jane through both of their lives um so digging through the works there was different handwriting so it looked like they would send uh letters back and forth to each other and and compile it together into a work um i want my hands on that 
Between, <laughs> between 1793 and 1795, aged 18 to 20, Austin wrote Lady Susan, a short epistolary, <laughs> epistolary novel, usually described as her most ambitious and sophisticated early work. It is unlike any of Austin's other works. Austin biographer Claire Tomlin described the novella's heroine as a sexual predator <laughs> who uses her <laughs> intelligence and charm to manipulate, betray, and abuse her lovers, friends, and family. <laughs> and then I wrote, I need to read... <laughs> I need to reread this one because I did not see her as much of a predator, <laughs> but as a woman using what men wanted to, um, instead of allowing them to take from her what they wanted. <laughs> That's just me. Yes. Yeah. Um, when Austin was 20, Tom LaFoy, a neighbor, visited Steventon. From December 1795 to January 1796, he had just finished a university degree and was moving to London for training as a barrister. I didn't look up what that was, I guess. Uh, Lefroy. I think at least like a politician or attorney or something. Oh, is it like a bear? Uh, yeah, probably something up there. <laughs> something fancy. Lefroy and Austin, you're, Lee's probably looking it up for you guys. <laughs> a lawyer entitled to practice as an advocate, particularly in the higher courts. Okay. So a lawyer for the nobles. Yeah. Got it. He's wealthy. Lefroy and Austin would have been introduced at a ball or other neighborhood social gathering, and it is clear from Austin's letters to Cassandra that they spent considerable time together. I am almost afraid. Oh, this is part of the the writings. I am almost afraid to tell you how my Irish friend and I behaved. Imagine to yourself everything most pro, um, profligate, gate, profligate. Sorry, I cannot read. And shocking in the way of dancing and sitting down together. <laughs> <laughs> so grinding in hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she like showed a little bit of like clavicle. Yeah. Their hands like brushed. Like <laughs> my hair touched his arm. They made eye contact. Austin wrote in her first surviving letter to her sister Cassandra that Lefroy was a very gentlemanlike, good-looking, pleasant young man. Five days later, in another letter, Austin wrote that she expected an offer from her friend and that I and that I shall refuse him, however, <laughs> unless he promises to give away his white coat. So she didn't want to marry a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. Going on to write, I will confide myself in the future to Mr. Tom Lefroy for whom I don't give a sixpence <laughs> and refuse all others. The next day, Austin wrote, the day will come on which I flirt my last with Tom Lefroy. And when you receive this, it will be all over. My tears flow as I write at this melancholy idea. <laughs> Aww. Oh, she's not going to marry Lefroy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Halperin cautioned that Austin often satirized a popular sentimental romantic fiction in her letters, and some of the statements about Lefroy may have been ironic. (laughs) (laughs) However, it is clear that Austin was genuinely attracted to Lefroy, and subsequently none of her other suitors ever quite measured up to him. The Lefroy family intervened and sent him away. At the end of January, marriage was impractical, as both Lefroy and Austin must have known. Neither had any money, and he was independent on a great uncle in Ireland to finance his education and establish his legal career. If Tom Lefroy later visited Hampshire, he was carefully kept away from Austin. <laughs> and Jane Austen never saw him again. Oh. <laughs> in November 1798, Lefroy was still on Austin's mind as she wrote to her sister. She had tea with one of his relatives, wanted, to, wanted desperately to ask about him, but could not bring herself to raise the subject. <laughs> Poor Jane. <laughs> in 1801, the family moved to Bath, my favorite place in the whole world. <laughs> I love Bath. Okay, so when I got to, so I went to England on accident. And by accident, I mean my plane caught fire that was supposed to go (laughs) to Italy. So we just said, it was me and my ex-husband. And we just said, take us anywhere in Europe. Where's the next plane going? (laughs) So I went to England. And so we went on a tour that took us to um, Stonehenge. And then down to a cathedral that was freaking beautiful. And then to Bath. And we had like three hours in Bath, which was not long enough. But as soon as you walk in there, all the buildings are made of the same material, but they're very elaborate, very beautiful, like sandstone color. I don't know what the material is, but it's so cool though. So the all the buildings have these bricked up window looking things in them too. Because back in like the 17 or 1800s, the lord over that land made a window tax. So if you had over a certain number of windows, you had to pay an extra tax to him. So they bricked up their windows. <laughs> but there's like cobblestone streets. It's There's not like cars driving around or anything. It's like very walkable. And then there's the Roman baths there as well. I didn't actually go see the baths. But I walk down the street and it smells like, it's like a sweet smell, but it's not overwhelming. It was like, almost like waffle cones. And there's a lot of gelato places, but you walk down the street and there's all these street musicians, like perf, like at least the day I was there, like perfectly apart that like, while you're walking through, like you'll hear one really loud. And then off in the distance, you hear another one. Then you get closer to the next one. There's like street artists. It was just beautiful. And everything just looked gorgeous and um let me see i could probably pull up a picture of bath for you bath england and it still has like uh the yeah it has the roman baths and you can like get water from them still like to take home you won't be able to see these I don't know why you'd want to 
it's a, I have water that touched That's the stones of this bath. historical thing. And it's like it's green. Like auto, it's like autographs. I don't like none of that makes any sense. If it's like a letter to you, it's different than just like signing it. But whatever. I'm going to autograph everything I send you now. Okay. <laughs> just, just, and then I'll write Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah i wrote all that stuff i just said okay oh also there you can go to jane austen's house that was there and i did not know she hated it at the time but jane austen's house that she lived in in bath is still there and it's a museum now and i went there and i got to take my picture with mr bingley and all all of their name tags were like characters from jane austen books (laughs) it was very cute uh it was very adorable okay I can skip all that because I just said all that. (laughs) Um, After the death of Jane's father in 1805, Jane, uh, her sister Cassandra, and her mother moved several times, eventually settling in Chawton near Steventon. While retirement and travel were good for the elder Austins, Jane Austen was shocked to be told she was moving 50 miles, 80 kilometers away from the only home she had known. Uh, this is why she hated going to Bath, by the way, because she'd always lived there with her family, and then her dad dies, and her mom wants to pick up and move, probably because she couldn't afford to live there anymore, or like she had other opportunities somewhere else, but um, Jane was not pleased. Uh, she was sentimental and established where she grew up, and this was not in the future she had dreamed of. She became less creative and started... And stopped um, her work on her novels. Uh, Yeah, she started some and then didn't finish them. So there's some unfinished works from that time because she just wasn't inspired. Um, The Watsons, um, which she never finished. She grew very depressed and did not have the creative juices she did in her years leading up to the move. Jane's brother, Henry, helped her negotiate with a publisher um, because, of course, women were not taken seriously as writers. And her first nerve, nervel, nervel, <laughs> first nervel, um, <laughs> sense and sensibility, which is what I'm reading right now, uh, appears, um, appeared in 1811. And I wrote, I'm currently reading that book right now. And I still am. Sorry. It's like months later. <laughs> Um, her next novel which is probably her most well-known novel is pride and prejudice which she described as her own darling child received Mm -hmm. highly favorable reviews and she is probably most well known for that work um oh wait hold on yeah is that what it said yes mansfield park was published in 1814 then emma In 1816, Emma was dedicated to the Prince Regent, an admirer of her work. All of Jane Austen's novels were published anonymously because of the stigma surrounding female writers. Which sucks. (laughs) Um, I kind of want to get a hold of a copy that's still anonymously. Yeah. Be kind of cool. The years from 1801 to 1804 are something of a blank space for Austin scholars as Cassandra oh no I need to my 
I need to plug in my laptop here. Are you not charging? There we go. <sighs> Good now. Um, usually it's the part in my laptop that gets unplugged, not the part in the plug thing. <laughs> Almost lost. Take, you guys. take terms. So with my my laptop, it's it's either it's either or, and I'll be like, what's going? <sighs> Okay, we're good though. At least it uh, warned me. It doesn't always warn me. Um, so, scholars says Cassandra destroyed all of her letters from her sister in this period for unknown reasons. In December 1802, Austin received her only known proposal of marriage. She and her sister visited it, visited Alethea and Catherine Big. Mr. Biggs, um, old friends who lived near Basingstroke. Basingstroke. Their younger brother, Harris Big Wither, had recently finished his education at Oxford and was also at home. Big Wither <laughs> proposed, <laughs> proposed to Austin. <laughs> and Austin accepted, as described by Caroline austin her mom her mom yeah her mom jane's oh no yeah 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 jane's niece and reginald big wither a descendant harris was not attractive <laughs> he was a large plain looking man who spoke little stuttered when he did speak was aggressive in conversation and almost completely tactless however austin had known him since both were young and the marriage offered a many practical advantages to austin and her family he was the heir to extensive family estates located in the area where the sisters had grown up with these resources, Austin could provide her parents a comfortable old age. Wasn't her dad dead? Oh, that was before he died. Yeah. That was before he died. Three years before he died. Yeah. Um, give Cassandra a permanent home and perhaps assist her brothers in their careers. By the next morning, Austin realized she had made a mistake and withdrew her acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> oh jane i love you um contemporary letters or diaries described how austin felt about his proposal irvine described big wither as somebody who seemed to have been a man very hard to like let alone love big wither yeah it sounds like um like the name of a virus or something the big wither you know like in a book of like elves are dying of the big wither exactly <laughs> or, the, or the trees um, yeah <laughs> oh gosh but i was like hey i've been told that to myself mr big <laughs> i'm hard to love um i i i have also i have also heard that yeah yeah, yeah. we're only hard to love by people who are weak yeah, probably. I don't know. Just buy me fake food. I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. 
Um, so Jane Publisher works anonymously, as I stated before, because women were not taken seriously. Her works were very well received. And to this day, over 3 million copies have been sold. I wonder uh, that was just paper. So I wonder how many audio books have been sold now. Right. And digital. True. True. Um, there have been film and TV adaptations of her works, as well as creative liberties to the works. There's a zombie Pride and Prejudice. I have um I have postcards from that like art like that uh, that um I sent out some of them but I I need to send out the rest. It's literally like like um the women are like fighting the zombies and destroying them and stuff. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it is great uh, because it's now like a public domain, uh, so people can just like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> they can yeah. take uh, liberties. Uh, I wonder how she'd feel. I think she'd like that. Actually, <laughs> she likes the theatrics. Uh, she is one of the most well-known authors throughout history. In 1816, Jane began to suffer from ill health, probably due to Addison's disease, also um, also called adrenal insufficiency. Um, it's an uncommon illness that occurs when the body doesn't make enough of certain hormones and Addison's disease, the adrenal glands make too much cortisol and often too little of another hormone ad aldosterone. <laughs> um, she traveled to Winchester to receive treatment and died there on the 18th of July, 1817, two more novels, persuasion and Northanger Abbey were published post um, humorously and final novel was left incomplete the Watsons uh, which you can also get but I found her fascinating <laughs> yeah like she she like she bucked the the system that she that she lived in like successfully you know was able to make commentary write stories and get them out there in a way that's still mm -hmm. you know it's still like relevant to our culture now it really um, is and I like if you she... could go back in time and tell her hey you know these books you wrote one mm -hmm. you're going to be credited for them in the future yes. and uh two you're going to be you know people are going to be retelling the way that they do shakespeare stuff like mm -hmm. you know a she probably would have gotten a kick out of that. I think so. Because there's been so many adaptations to Pride and Prejudice. So many. <laughs> and just the... Yeah, just the way that... Uh, and Emma, too, is another one. I think there's a show now for Emma. If I'm not mistaken. I think I saw it. But, yeah, it's amazing that still to this day, a couple hundred years later... <laughs> we're still reading about her and learning about her and she's still relevant and prevalent to this day and that her work is still moving forward and her feminism yeah i love that she never married by choice like she was a romantic but she knew that what was best for her was not to get married yeah i bet she had autism yeah Mar marriage is not marriage is not particularly romantic it's you know we romanticize it but it is not actually you mm -hmm. know um 
but uh, honestly the description of the suitor who asked for her hand in marriage also sounded autistic i know he did yeah yeah i was just like "Hmm." (laughs) i I felt for him (laughs) poor mr big (laughs) big withers (laughs) big withers Oh, gosh. So in the description, everybody, if you can write your favorite Jane Austen book, as well as your favorite author, I want to know. I want to look into your favorite authors and see if any of them are fascinating. I'm sorry that Jane never murdered anyone or like had horrible tragedies happen, but (laughs) honestly, getting Addison's disease is pretty tragic. That is that is horrible. And she died pretty young. So, yeah. And I'm glad that her brother, uh, so her brothers helped put her work out after she died um, because they believed in what she was, what she did um, and helped get it known that those anonymous works were hers. So that's cool. Her brothers believed in her. Actually, all the men really in her life believed in her, which is awesome. Yeah, that probably helped like shape the the mindset that she had uh, that allowed her to write the stories that she did because she was, regardless of what her dad wrote when she, for her birth announcement, um, she was humanized enough that that would allow her to challenge like the status quo. A little plaything. <laughs> oh, do people still just, do birth announcements? I don't know. I have I have no idea. We didn't we didn't I mean I like so when my son was born we we um we took a scan of his hands and feet and etched it into like the wood on a like those champagne boxes, but we put apple cider in them and then sent it out to people and Ew. as like a you know um I still have one of the boxes I keep like his little the stuff that he was wearing when he was in the hospital when he was first born and stuff like that in there. Want to know um, how good I am at sending things out? mm. I still have my thank you notes from my first baby shower. (laughs) I've always been really into snail mail. (laughs) I have stamps on the envelopes. I wrote them all out. (laughs) Yeah, having babies is hard. It's very, like, takes up all all the brain space. And I, I, like... I only had one kid and I only successfully did the first year of the baby book. I couldn't, I couldn't like go back to it. It was just too much. I have the album and I have Logan Scott in stickers on it. You have the album. I have like picture, I have stuff, but they're not any, they're not together. They're not, you know, and (laughs) that's all I have though is his name. I just put his name. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Oh my gosh. That's one thing my mom did is she loves scrapbooking. So I have my my year one through five book. And then I have mm-hmm. five through 18. Yeah, that's cool. My mom did a baby book that I think was like covered like my first three years. So she would like put pictures and write notes. And I have that. And it's very interesting to me that she put that much detail mm-hmm. into me because like, it never felt like she was very interested in me. Was you know? she social though? She was super. Yeah, she's always more interested in hanging out with her friends than than because, anything. Like she, even now, like 
because hanging out and scrapbooking was like a huge thing. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they, because they just hung out and got high. I don't, you know, there's a bunch of potheads. <laughs> like, they were like at that, the, I call them the post hippie stage. So they, you know, like I grew up where they all hung out at the riverside and played frisbee and smoked a lot of weed. And yeah, yeah. You know, that was like, you know, I always knew like if I if I wanted to go talk to my mom or whatever, wait until she'd like hit the bowl a couple of times. A little nicer then. <laughs> yeah, she's way nicer. Depends um, on what strain she gets. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of strains back then. Yeah. They grew they grew their own, so it was their strain. But yeah. So it was always the like, same. Once the eyebrows are up high, she's good to go. The pupils, the <laughs> eyes are red. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my son tried to accuse me of being a pothead, and I'm like, I can't. Like, ever since I got gastroparesis, I throw yeah. up as soon as I try. Doesn't yeah. matter if it's a pen or if it's like an actual bowl. Can't. Ever, ever since my health issues started, like the the chemistry is off, and I have like the worst side effects. And I've tried. The only thing that was tolerable was Charlotte's Web, but it's so hard to find here. And the equivalents to it are not the same. They have way more sativa in them and I can't do sativa at all. And I just, I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it to me to keep trying, hoping that my body's going to tolerate, tolerate this stuff. You can um, get it easily in Colorado, but that's yeah. right. I think it, that's where it originates from. Yeah. And, but, but yeah, I don't, I just... There's nothing like my body doesn't doesn't tolerate alcohol. It doesn't tolerate weed. And yeah. Come on, Lee. I'm talking to your body, not your brain. Yeah. It, to it tolerates uh, it tolerates food better than it used to, at least because I, yeah. you know, I can eat solid food again. Yeah. There's yeah. been like now I have like flare ups where it's just a day or two, but I always get scared it's going to happen again because that was a three and a half months I couldn't really eat solid food yeah yeah it was like four years for me and then um and it was when I started to get better it was slow and I would I would relapse for a week or two and then and I haven't had a relapse in like two years I have bad days where my nausea is really bad and I can tell the food's sitting longer mm -hmm. um but if I respect my my energy levels and I don't overdo it, it tends not to be as bad. Like, you know, like I've been really flared up this week. And so I've been like super nauseous and yeah. stuff I'm eating doesn't sit well. And, um, but it's just like, if I moderate and I'm really careful, then it tends to be okay. Also the mass cell meds help a lot. There's some inner, inner, uh, relationship with the gastroparesis and the mast cell stuff. Like, I don't know if it inflames the nerve or whatever, but yeah. I think it does. I, I think so. Cause on all of the mast cell groups I'm in, almost all of them have gastroparesis when, especially like when there's a flare up of the MCAS. Yeah. So it's, or they have symptoms like it, even if they don't actually have gastroparesis. Yeah. But it seems very common with EDS and mast cell. I mean, those two are common together too, but yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something. My brain decided it didn't want to anymore. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, but I got a call from my doctor today. 
he said that with the what I was describing that I felt like when the shot was working that I most likely have an issue in my back as well. <laughs> so I have an MRI next Friday on my back on my lunch break. Woo! And then I'm just going to stay up there and record with you up there. So I'll have a different background that day <laughs> because we have a guest we're recording with. That's on the, the 17th, 17th at 3.30 your time. Uh, yeah, we have a, a therapist. Ooh. And we might oh, yeah, have a guest on Sunday, too for a short little episode after we record okay. um, that we might put out before the other episodes. So you guys all know, you might've already heard this, that one. Um, <laughs> it's a project going on right now for uh, it's uh, like a visual display of a tragedy going on right now that they're trying to get objects for and i won't say more even though you guys probably already heard it (laughs) (laughs) um depending on when she wants me to put it out but i want to get the word out there and i think it'll be a fun project to be involved in because it's free you just mail something to them but it's not asking for money or anything um yeah any other business we got do we have any fun stories I don't know. I don't know if I do either. I've been saving saving stories, but I, I for my podcast, but I I tend to save like stuff that I find interesting. Um, I watched the uh, blue blue eyed samurai, and How was that? Uh, it was cool. It, it's very like it has like Pixar vibes because oh. it's got the, it's got like this it's got the silly sidekick and and all that, but the the actress who does the voice maya erskine she has the same last name as me right mm-hmm. and um my son was like hey uh that actress has the same last name as us and i was like yeah you know what's funny about that is if people have heard of my last name it's almost always because they have an association with the super famous drummer peter erskine who is her father so the degree of separation with the known erskines is zero <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that doesn't change anything. Like, <laughs> There's only a two degree with no. <laughs> that's yeah. really that's that's your real father, Lee. <laughs> oh gosh. Um oh. Whoa, okay. Here's the weird news. Hopefully it's not a video. Okay, no, it's not. Oh, it's from two days ago or yesterday it was report or it was from two days ago but it uh was reported yesterday london oh that kind of goes with our story (laughs) november 6th four men have been charged over the theft of an 18 carat gold toilet from the palace in southern england (laughs) How heavy is that? That's so, like I've held a brick like that. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Where were we at here? Where it was kept as an art exhibit before being stolen in an early morning heist. Oh, in 2019. So it happened in 2019. 
why was this just being reported on? Is it maybe they just caught them? Why don't I know about this? <laughs> um, prosecutors said Monday, so probably. The fully functioning toilet. <laughs> I love that it's made it functioning. <laughs> Valued at 4.8 million pounds. And as of yesterday, that's 5.9 million U.S. dollars was part of an exhibition by an Italian conceptual artist at Blenheim Palace, which is a major tourist attraction and a UNESCO World Heritage Site. British Crown Prosecution Services, CPS, said James Sheen, 39, was charged with one count of burglary and two counts of relating to the transfer of criminal property. Three others, Michael Jones, Fred Doe, and Bora Guckuck, also in their mid-30s, were also charged. Police had... I hate when the ads pop up over what you're reading. Police had said at the time of the theft that burglars broke into the palace with two vehicles and took the toilet sometime before 5 a.m. It was not immediately clear if the toilet named America has been recovered and authorities had no immediate comment on its status. Blenheim Palace, the birthplace and ancestral home of British wartime leader Winston Churchill, had said in 2019 it was saddened by the loss of the toilet, which had also been on display previously at New York's Guggenheim Museum. The four men will appear in court November 28th. Oh, I'm going to keep you updated on that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep, that's... Uh, I'm going to set an alarm. Look into toilet on November 28th. November 28th is a Tuesday. Look into gold toilet. I'm not going to know what this means. <laughs> and that makes it even better. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that was our fun news. It it um it it's made of 227 pounds of gold. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's why they needed four dudes and a and two, right? v- two vehicles. Right. <laughs> it didn't say if they recovered the toilet. Yeah. Maybe they're waiting to see if so they I'm not, talk i'm not great at like symbolism right so i know that like the toilet is satirical and the fact that it's named america probably like goes into that and there's probably like this like satirical explanation for its meaning and my brain is just like i know there's something there but i couldn't i can't like you know gold toilet america meaning <laughs> see if it says anything <laughs> um okay so this article is before 2019 so it should have uh 
Italian artist, not Nate saying that name, bold irreverent work skewers social complacencies and something about cultural icons. On the occasion of his 2011-2012 retrospective of the Guggenheim, which featured virtually every work he had ever made suspended from the oculus of the rotunda. Okay, I want to know about the toilet, though. Okay, here we go. Five years later, he returned from his self-imposed exile with a new ongoing project at the museum for America. (laughs) Catalan replaced the toilet in his restroom with a fully functional replica cast in 18-karat gold, making available to the public an extravagant luxury product seemingly intended for the 1%. It's... um, participatory nature in which viewers are invited to make use of the fixture they were using it at the <laughs> individually and privately allows for an experience of unprecedented intimacy with a work of art Catalan's toilet offers a wink to the excess of the art market but also evokes the American dream of opportunity for all its utility, ultimately um, reminding us of the inescapable physical realities of our shared humanity. It's interesting. That's totally different than what's on the wiki, um, which of course is just as, just as like uh, Y'all random. Wanna see it. There it is. Yeah. I like how the, the toilet paper thing next to it is just like a cheap, <laughs> metal <laughs> paper holder like you'd see in any public bathroom and so is the floor and the walls and everything it's just like just the toilet is <laughs> as I burp in your guys's ears just the toilet's gold the rest of it's just like a normal public restroom so weird ah. Ah. interesting yeah Hey, I got a text from you. Oh, did you? Was it was it me saying I sent the link? No, no. You said you look like death. Oh, I look like death, not you. You don't though. <laughs> you don't. I feel like death. Yes. Ugh. It doesn't really show. You know, sometimes you can really like when somebody has a cold, you can really see it. Like I tend to like puff up a lot, so you, I always look very cloudy. But I, oh, it, I wouldn't tomorrow. <laughs> yeah once it once it kicks in proper but do you all want to see my lunchable i mean does it open yeah <laughs> you put the cracker and the cheese and the ham <laughs> and i i have cracker. i have never had a lunchable Ever. I, don't, I don't think I've ever had one. The kids have. <laughs> it's it's also not something I, I would have bought for my son. Like I would have looked at the math and went, no, it's too expensive. I've not bought it. They're like a dollar. Yeah, I don't think they were when he was small. <sighs> they well, t- the big ones aren't a dollar. <laughs> the little ones. <laughs> but it was there was a right next to the jump place that the kids would go to they'd all of a sudden be hungry when we got there so i'm like fine go get a lunchable there's protein in there (laughs) 
Oh, did you hear that um, Walmart is creating um, sensory issue-friendly hours? It's like ours from 8 has, to 10, 10 a.m.? Ours has that right yeah. now. They started it, it like, like, an, like a year ago. So they're starting to do it everywhere now. I'm, I like that. I really do. Um, is it every day or just certain days? Um, the article I read said it was going to be like every, every day, um, in, in most locations. I never go that early. So (laughs) yeah, I know I'd have to like, you know, I, I never really go to Walmart because I, I don't live in a place where that's my only option. Yeah. And it's actually not even the easiest to get to. There's like two targets that are closer, but, um, back in the day, Walmart was in this, in the area I'm at now was one of the only options and they were open 24 hours. So I would go at two in the morning. Yeah. There's, there's nobody there. And it was great. I loved going really late when it was open 24 hours here. Cause same, that was when they're stocking everything, but no one was there. So mm-hmm. it was worth it to them to be open because they could get everything stocked while there wasn't a bunch of people. Um, now they're only open to like nine or 10. Yeah. The, the, the era of stores being open 24 hours, like went away, even like stuff like Safeway used to be open 24 hours and it's not anymore. It's a bummer. Yeah, it is. We only have three grocery stores here, except for we have two little, like we have a Mexican grocery store that's really small uh but it's cool but they mainly have like novelty stuff not really full grocery shopping and then we have an gosh what is the country uh we have like a middle eastern grocery store too which they have a lot of spices and stuff which is nice and then i think there's a little like african grocery store like a little market too but they only they don't have I don't think they have refrigerated stuff. I think it's just shelf. I miss the Asian market, like the 99 Ranch Market. So good. Yeah. The area that I lived at before when I owned a house had like an entire mall. It was like literally like going to a mall in Southeast Asia. It was all. Yeah, with little markets inside of it. That's how the one I went to was. And I'd get cow tongue there. Make cow tongue sandwiches. I'm a I'm a sucker for anything with taro. They also had like <laughs> pick your own lobsters and stuff. I never did that because I was sad. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't really eat seafood, so I tend to avoid that section because smelly. Yeah, it's a smelly. Uh, mm-hmm. So go when you have a cold, so you can look at them. <laughs> I like the rice candies that they sell there. There's like rice paper around the candy and you eat the paper too. Yeah, those are cool. I like that too. There's not a lot and of the bakeries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're making me hungry. I need some more macaroni. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't had my, I haven't had dinner yet. I had um, coffee and peanut butter and honey sandwich earlier. So, oh, this peanut butter. So I was looking at my uh, genetic material because it gives me a few new things every day for free. I need to send that to you still. Or not to you. Did I talk to you about it? No, I did not. I talked to someone else about it. I need to send that to you because free if you've already done your um, DNA through anywhere. But uh, I said I'm 100% likely to be allergic to peaches 
And hmm. I don't I don't know if that's true. I haven't eaten a peach and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it said I was 100% likely to be allergic to peanuts. And I was like, hey, I am. <laughs> and then what was the other one today? It said I ha- I'm genetically disposition predisposed to be extra tired during the day and not sleep well. <laughs> Like that seems like America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were my other ones? There, there were some other interesting ones. My empathy is really high, and my predisposition to a gambling addiction was really high, which makes sense with my mom. And it was like in the middle for cigarettes, but I've never wanted to do anything that's really addictive. So, yeah, some some of that stuff isn't like really. It's not like finalized. They just they just have questionnaires and then they look at which genes people have in common and and then like create like a corollary and it's it's interesting, but it's not really like mm-hmm. proven, you know? Yeah. So like twenty twenty three me does that with stuff and um I I signed up for twenty three me in two thousand seven. So it was like an early they were like mm-hmm. that is way earlier you know? than I did it. And um and it's been interesting to see the the stuff that comes and goes because they'll have stuff that they seem really certain about and then it kind of like disappears because like that was disproven disproven and you know twenty three and me oh no no I just want to sign in I don't want to shop sign in oh with Google sign with Google. Uh, so slow so yeah if you if you all have weird things on your dna test let us <laughs> mine also said that i was um more likely to have panic attacks anxiety um my heart rate increasing when i do cardio my heart rate increasing when i stand up i was like whoa <laughs> that does happen uh i should have like fainting (laughs) yeah let's see anxiety do i have to pay more i don't want to pay more oh no i was like you're more likely to have curly hair and i was like well i do have curly hair so i guess that's true oh it said like i'll have detached earlobes which is true um and then it had, oh, that I like red wine more than white wine, which is also true. There wasn't really anything not true on my list. <laughs> I had a which... few things early days, but I don't remember what now. Let's it's see. been a minute since I've like looked. Here are my traits from 23andMe. The other one was the other website, so I haven't looked at these in a while. Um, sleep quality. Lifestyle. My carrier for anything? Not detected, not detected, not detected. Dude, I just want to sign in. What is your malfunction? I am not a carrier for any of these syndromes, which is nice. That means I should be really healthy, right? Yeah, I don't have any of the like common 
when they ran my genes at UCSF, they were like, you don't have any of the like common predisposal things. And I was like, okay. Cool. I'm unlikely to flush with alcohol. <laughs> and I'm likely to consume more caffeine than the average person. I'm a, f- I'm a fast caffeine uh, processor. Like I, Mine was in the middle for that, like normal. Uh, likely to be oh saturated fat is not likely to affect my weight I don't move a lot in my sleep which is accurate I do not move a lot I wake myself up if I move yeah I wake up a lot because I because I um I move a lot in my sleep see my heart health You know I'm, when you're like when a, a, when like the window goes away, like I have an increased likelihood of type two diabetes. If I want more, I need to join twenty three and me plus. <laughs> Dang it, guys. Mm-hmm. Let me let us know what yours are, what your weird ones are. I wanna know. I spent this whole time just trying to get into my account. I can do that. Like... <laughs> my tongue's all white from having coffee. I'm like, don't look at Mine's my tongue. white from having macaroni and cheese. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we shouldn't bore you guys. But unless Lee can get in soon and tell us the weird well, I'm things. In, I'm in now. I don't know. Right. Let's see. Health and, health and traits. Tell us, tell us the tale. I'm not installing something. Just load it. Upgrade. Lifestyle. Wellness. Traits. View 30 reports. (laughs) Why is it so slow? 61% 61% chance I do not have dimples. That's true. 87% chance you do not have a cleft chin. That's also true. 66% chance you've never had dandruff. Not true. I but I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure it's the mast cell. As soon as I switched to the, the shampoo I'm using now, I stopped having symptoms. 86% chance you have detached earlobes. I don't actually know. I think they're detached, but I think it's very mild. Like... Yeah, I think I'd call yours attached, though. Yeah. Mine are pretty, uh, pretty detached there. 90% chance you have wet, sticky earwax. That is also true. I have wet, sticky earwax, too, in here, and it's true. (laughs) (laughs) And 52% chance of blue eyes, but I have, like, gray eyes. I have a 50-50 chance for dandruff. 72% 72% chance that you have that you do not have freckles, which is true. I don't have freckles. Ooh, this one's wrong. It says my ring finger is longer than my pointer finger, but it's only longer on one hand. <laughs> I have different length fingers on each hand. Me too. <laughs> oh, you <me> too. <laughs> this is- 
Are some people's the same? I guess so. Uh, See, this one changed. It used to say that I had a high chance of curly hair, but now it says I have 34 chance, 34% chance of slightly wavy hair. Mine says straight um, or wavy, but mine's pretty curly. And 16% chance curls, but I like, I have curls. Like, it doesn't show right now because I wear a hat that flattens it, but when it gets longer, just the longer it gets, the curlier it gets. Um, it says I have light hair. <laughs> it's about 99% chance you do not have red hair. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think so I was a bald baby. Yeah. And I am Six likely to have motion sickness. So that is true. 60% chance you have stretch marks. And then some. Oh, here's another wrong one. It says I'm likely to prefer sweet over salty. That is not true. Yeah. Oh, That's I likely true. have no unibrow. Yeah, I also do not have... Well, it says 47% chance I do not have a unibrow. And then 44% chance I might have a little bit. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't pluck anymore, but I used to have a little, little bit. It's because it says it's because my family is from Tajikistan. Have, it says likely prefer sweet, but I, that's, I'm, I'm a salty. And no widow's peak. I don't have a widow's peak. So I have a 50-50% chance of matching musical pitch, but like they actually used me as a tuning tuning device when I was in band because like my ah. pitch is so good. More than likely than average to be afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of heights. Yeah, mine's less likely to have thick hair. I got a shit ton of hair. Average odds of hating chewing sounds. I have misphonia. Oh, mine said high. Mine says high chance. Likely, it says mosquito bite frequency is likely bitten more often than others. It's actually the opposite. My son gets eaten alive and I don't get bit. 50-50 chance of experiencing motion sickness. I get motion sickness big time. Um, I do not have the photic sneeze reflex except with dark chocolate. My... Where'd it go? I likely can't taste bitter. I I can taste big time. And I my pee smells like asparagus. I think that's what that says, or I smell asparagus. Yeah. 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 I it, it does. says likely can smell, which is true. Likely can taste bitter, which is true. Slightly higher odds of disliking cilantro. I like cilantro. I love cilantro. <laughs> and everything but stroking off. I thought it would be good. Def I guess there's a time and place for it, but I haven't had stroganoff in a long time. Yeah. Less likely to be a deep sleeper. I'm predisposed My to way more than average. Yeah, me too. But my whole family's chonky, but not like they're like big, but without the health issues that are associated with mm -hmm. being big. So it's yeah. like just, you know, just the build. Yeah. Mine also says 
I'm likely to have muscle composition in common with elite power athletes. I have that too. You do too? Yeah. My legs are powerful. Yeah. I used to build muscle really easily and I have really good stamina. I just, you know, now I have the fatigue stuff, so I don't. And when you have chronic fatigue, you don't build muscle like a normal person anymore because Mm -hmm. the cells don't translate the energy in the same way. Yeah. Um, Also, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, lactose intolerance. Mine said that I was probably fine, but I don't, I don't think I'm lactose intolerant. I think I'm just picky. I don't know. I I get like, cause I'm, but only to certain ways that the dairy is processed. Yeah. Like I'm fine with, well, okay. If I have, like, say I have ice cream and I have it a couple times in a short period of time, I start to have issues with it. If I just have ice cream, like every now and again, it's fine. I actually have more issues with like the preservatives and stuff they add because my gums react to it. Mm-hmm. So I have to mine's, get the fancy ice cream. Mine's ice cream too. Yeah. And I'm fine with cheese. So it makes me a little constipated, but that's it. That's everybody. Yeah. Uh, unless you're lactose intolerant, then it could do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness. Uh, I was trying to figure out where to where to order more glasses from. Oh, I got mine from Zenny, but there's so many options now. So Zenny Pain or I buy direct. But my new glasses are so cute. They had the same ones in purple and green, but I got the green. I feel like they'll go well with my clothing that I already have. Yeah. Because I wear And my eyeball. One of them. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It said I'm likely to have blue or green eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, try both. (laughs) Uh, Even though you have in. What was it? Centralized heterochromia. Yep. Which I alerted to, too. <laughs> yep. I didn't know there was a word for it. I knew I I knew I had the yellow in there, but I didn't know there was a word for it. It's pretty cool. Just saying. Yeah. It's pretty common in the area I live. So I grew up thinking it was pretty normal. And then, like, once I moved out of the area, I stopped seeing it as much. And I was like... Okay. You guys are just have boring eyes. <laughs> I people have be it. like, do you have gold in your eyes? How so? I've never seen that before. I'm like, really? Like, okay. It was in the water. <laughs> uh, There's just a lot of um a lot of descendants of like Irish and Scottish people here, like a lot. Yeah. That's true. If it's a concentration of similar genes, that would make sense. Um, one more thing for the comments, everybody. What cults would you want me to cover? Because I have a new segment that's going to be once a month coming out where I talk about a different cult. I came up with this last week. <laughs> but once a month for the two crows, I'll be talking about a different cult. I want I want to hear about a cult that is like women empowering other women and they go too far Ooh, well, there's a lot of those too 
I can think of one that would sue me if I talked about her. Because <laughs> she's still in existence. And I'll just say um, Blue Duck. We'll, we'll call her Blue Duck. Her name's Teal Swan. Oh. I think I can say her name. <laughs> Don't sue me. Actually, you can't. I'm <laughs> just saying that. So <laughs> I can use your name. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, we should let them go since it's been two hours. <laughs> uh, and I should probably sleep off my cold. I have some NyQuil over here. Yeah, hopefully... Hopefully you feel better tomorrow, not worse. Yeah, I'm going to try. I don't know what I'm going to try. I have an ice pack. I wonder if I put that on my face. And a heating pad on my back. It'll pull the... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's for headaches. (laughs) Yeah, it could, you know, do some like sinus massage. Antihistamines can help with the initial stages of like sinus activity. Um, I have some hydroxazine. Yeah. I haven't had a cold in a long time. I've only had like one... Well, I had the cold that got me the chronic fatigue syndrome because I never got better in 2014. And then I got a cold in 2018. Um, And it took me, it was like a mild cold. It took me three weeks to kick it. Everybody else was done with it in like three days. So um, I am very, I stay very isolated and protected and stuff. Ugh, kids. um, (laughs) Yep. Always them getting me sick. Never the yeah. other way around. If I if someone gets me sick, it's gonna be my son because he's the only person I'm around enough that you know. Yeah. Evelyn's fever was like 102 on Monday. And then yesterday it was like in the 99s. Today, this morning it was still like 99. So I kept her home again. But tomorrow she's going back to school. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> But yeah, she's the one who keeps getting me sick. She's had strep multiple times in the last year. Um, like her and her friends just keep giving it back and forth. I'm like, what are you doing? Making out? <laughs> Stop sharing yeah. drinks. <laughs> well, and once you have the strep bacteria, you carry it, right? So like if your immune system gives way to you can get an, a reinfection. That's oh, my I think that I think that is accurate. That might be why I got it so much as a kid, was because I was like so stressed that it would come back out. Yeah, I'm like, I've never had it and I'm like terrified of it because the antibiotics that treated, I'm allergic to it, to them. So like that would be, I had a friend who he was having such severe reinfections that his, he had to get his tonsils removed when he was like 40, which is really, you know, painful when you're older because it got to the point that he couldn't, he had to get a, um air tube because he couldn't breathe. Um. <laughs> Try to chew away from the can from the microphone. (laughs) You made somebody really happy with that big bite right there. (laughs) Anyone wants to ever order us like some food and we'll eat it while we're recording for you. It's true. We could totally plan our meals together and have have dinner together. Uh, I've been wanting to do like the like meal boxes again. I used to do them. Yeah. 
I get sometimes I get them from um, Imperfect. I get a couple like I can't really afford to do it all the time, but I'll get a couple just for like my really tired days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. I've looked at the services and stuff. I just just can't afford it. Yeah, uh, I used to do it and it was affordable. Like, it was less than groceries to do it because the kids just wanted to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches anyway. So Joe and I would get the. I don't think I've ever said his name on here. My ex-husband that I like, his name is Joe. <laughs> um, so we used to get these meal boxes and uh, in Portland. And it was really nice because it was like three days a week. Like we get three meals a week. And it was fun to cook together. It was like our thing we did together. Yeah. It's kind of like date night. Yeah. I should look into it, just see if there's any like affordable options where I could control the one thing that I've noticed is a lot of them don't have like a no allium option. Mm. And that's like, you know, that's a big one for me. True. I could ask on some of the MCAS groups that I'm in, if any of them know of a meal program like that, that has no allium or if you all know, you can comment. (laughs) It's a it's a hard ask. People are very like emotionally attached to their allium. Yeah, especially pickle makers. Yeah. <laughs> I made pickles with it and you use a lot when you're making pickles to make them crunchy. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I'm sorry. Yep. I know um, I love garlic too and I just can't. I just can't. And onions. Yeah, I don't like onions, so that was never that was never a loss for me. But garlic, I like love, mm. you know. And it's good. garlic, onions, shallots, chives. Oh, I like green shallots. Onions, like list. It's a long list. There's no substitute either for that. Well, I like when I when I make like uh, pasta sauces and stuff. I use radishes, which works nice. Oh. You get some. Of the- the texture and you get a kick from it um and they do it doesn't taste like radishes once they're cooked in Mm -hmm. um and i i mean i have never had anybody have any of the sauces and and dishes i've made be like well this needs more garlic like they they're usually like i'll be like there's no allium in it and then they're really surprised that it has so much flavor because i think we tend to associate those things as having flavor but like there's you know like i cook with a lot of smoked paprika and turmeric and stuff like that and that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I guess there are alternatives. I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big garlic person, though. I'm more of an onion person. Like my my onion salt. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I love like one of my favorite things when I could eat more. I couldn't eat onions, so but I could eat garlic with a little bit of pain was like pepperoni pizza with garlic. <sighs> That was like so good. The like cloves of garlic. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's a pizza place that I just oh uh you probably have it there. Uh pizza mod pizza. Yeah. And I'll get like just the cloves of garlic on the oh. yeah, I like their I like their pizzas. If I get food from there, I get like a pizza and then I get a salad and I eat either the salad or the pizza. Like it depends. I'll eat one or the other and then the other ones for the next day. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Both. Sal- yeah, they're good. Yeah. Um, I, they used to be seven seventy seven. Now they're more expensive. 
Yeah, they're like pizzas are, I don't know, like 14, 15 bucks or something. It's crazy, our economy. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, we will let you guys go. Thank you for coming to Frightening Frau. And I have been your host and hostess. Ho- hostesses. <laughs> Tyler. I am Lee. Lee. I am Lee. I'm Groot. And Tyler. <laughs> and Lee. Uh, <laughs> you could just keep going forever. Yeah. And Tyler. <laughs> um and oh also my movie is out and we can stream it on here i've been given permission so maybe next time we will you will see us then doing that (laughs) (laughs) it's only one minute long so don't be too scared uh but yes we appreciate you all and um I have taken lots of cold medicine today, so I'm sorry for my weirdness. That's extra weird. And thank you for for listening to us about Jane Austen and, and all of our other episodes. We love you. <laughs> we love you. Uh, if you want to join the Discord, let us know. And we uh, we've given instructions several times on that. But if you even are on the lowest of our both of our Patreons together. Uh, we will add you to that discord so yeah <laughs> yeah catch us next time on frightening frowin Woo! <laughs>